You're listening to Under a Red Glow, a photography podcast covering the wide spectrum of the art and history of photography with an emphasis on chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes. Be sure to visit us at www.underaredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Under a Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker and with me in the studio is my co-host and lovely wife, Christine. Hello, Christine. Hello. What's happening? It's the holiday season. It's the holiday season. It is Thursday. For us, it's Thursday, December 17th. And I think this is, I think tomorrow night is the last day of Hanukkah for our Jewish and Hanukkah celebrating friends, right? Yes. I think it started on the 10th and it goes for eight days. Yes. Okay. And then we have Christmas coming up. Next Friday. Next Friday. And then a week from there, New Year's. Yes. A lot of stuff going on. Winding yeah. down 2020. Winding down 2020. Which is good. Yeah. Hopefully 2021 is a little bit better. I sure hope so. Which is sad because 2020 is such a cool numbered year and just having everything happen kind of crazy kind of sucked. Had so many hopes and dreams for 2020. Uh, maybe 2021. Uh, speaking of, I, I wanted to say something, and, and this is the second time. We've, we have we did record a podcast we did record twenty episode twenty two last night, but uh, we we just missed a couple things. And one of the things I really wanted to make sure I wrote and I I talked about in here was just like any other big holiday, uh, Christmas is the most important holiday for getting together, and a lot of people can't get together because of everything that's been going on. So so do us a favor, if you have anybody, friends, family, acquaintances. Even even maybe ask your friends and family to do this. Make sure you reach out to people that 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 may find the holiday and the lack of being able to really spend the holiday with a lot of people particularly difficult, right? Yeah. And and just just reach out to them. I said that I said this. I believe I said the same thing around Thanksgiving, but it's it's really important. We have a lot of people in the country that are uh, that are having a a hard time. And uh, and unfortunately, um, people doing self harm to themselves is 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 on a massive rise, and you don't know until it's too late. Unfortunately, for most of these people, so so kind of kind of keep an eye out for people. Either either set up a, I don't know if if Zoom or WebEx. I know they did a thing kind of at the beginning of this where they they got rid of all of their limitations. But uh, you've got a couple different options. You've got Zoom. You've got WebEx. You've got Streamyard. You've got uh, Jitsi, J-I-T-S-I, I think it's Jitsi Meet. But there are a lot of opportunities to get out there and and maybe sit there and say, hey, we're going to get the family together on a virtual stream. And, uh, you know, it just may, you know, I'd, I'd love it if it, say, if it saved just, you know, if it saved somebody. But, you know, it's at the very least, it's going to brighten somebody's day. Lessen the loneliness of the holiday spent alone. Right. And, and we should be doing this anyway for people that that may not have somebody friends that, that may, you know, you, you know who they are, you know, they, they, you know, they, they just don't have anybody, but, uh, but just, just make sure to, to reach out a little bit extra this year. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I think, I think that's pretty much it. This episode will go live tomorrow for our Patreon people. And, Tuesday, and then our our episode that will drop 
on Christmas morning for Patreon and then the Tuesday after Christmas for everybody else. I think we're going to do a like a like a New Year's resolutions kind of kind of thing. What what things do you want to learn in 2021? And you know, try to keep artistic at least, but preferably photography as well. And we'll have our own too. But we'd like you to send in your own photography related or artistic related New Year's resolutions for 2021. And we just may talk about them and read them on the air. And maybe we can help each other with uh, with our, I don't know, enthusiasm? No, that's not Inspiration. It. Inspiration. There you go. I like that. Maybe we can help inspire each other. Yeah, I think so. I think that'd be, I think that would work out well. Because the more people kind of have the same or similar goals, whether they're small or big, you know, those in the back of our mind will, will give us that inspiration and the excitement to, to strive to say, okay, it's winter time, 2021, time to go, let's do it. Let's, I'm going to learn that thing I wanted to learn, or I wanted to learn how to use this piece of photography equipment, or I wanted to pick up these brushes and, and learn how to paint. So let's, uh, let's, let's get some information and inspiration going on and see what we can, what we can make work out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that'll be next week. That'll be next. Yeah. It's these, these, the days are weird. It'll be between Christmas and New Year's. Unless, as I said, unless you're you're a supporter on Patreon or our new subscribe service for for gifting, kind of similar things. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be the the Friday before. Right. Okay. I think I think that's it. That's it. That's all. That's that's kind of new. I wanted to talk a little bit about a, a piece of news that's been really circling around. Um, they found a beer can pinhole camera. At the University of, I'm going to butcher this name, the University of Herefordshire in London. Is that right? Does that sound right? Sounds right. One of the students, Regina Valkenborg, Valkenberg, she put some pinhole cameras around. And the one of the, oh, let me get this here. Oh, who was it? One of the observatory's technical officers by the name of David Campbell, he found this camera and the, the, the student that left them there thought that they were all, all done. She, she, had some, she made some images of the observatory before and specifically said that a lot of them didn't survive. They had they had water issues. They were ruined by by moisture. They were ruined by something. But it's it's impressive that this lasted so long. And she said she hadn't intended to capture the exposure for that length of time, but was really surprised that that it survived. And she says it could be one of, if not the longest exposure in existence. And I really wanted to talk about that because. On, on one hand, eight years is not a long time for a for a camera that is and and a and a technique that is meant to be six months anyway. What would eight years be? Sixteen, sixteen times or fifteen times longer than the camera would typically be done. So that 
to me, that doesn't seem that crazy. What do you think? And I know people who have done it for a year or two years. So it's not, I mean, it's extended. Right. And it, for it to not have been disturbed in all that time, they must, it must have been in a really good location. Yeah. So on one hand, I can't believe a mere eight years, which is a blink of an eye for a solography camera, or maybe two blinks. I can't imagine eight years is the the record holder. Well, it's the record that's that we documented. Know exactly. How many cameras have we made that maybe we have forgotten about? But on the other hand, pinhole cameras have a, especially solography cameras, have a, a, a hard life. Why is that? Well, you have to find just the right place to put it and... If it gets moved, then it ruins the image, and usually they're up under the eaves, or I don't know, it has to face the right direction. And Well, we've talked about it before. You definitely want to put a camera facing the sun, obviously, depending on your your hemisphere or where in the world you are. You need to have sure, make sure it's facing the sun. But the number one thing is you need to make sure you have permission to put it there. Right. Now, of course, I'm not condoning hiding something somewhere. But we know it's been done. We know it's been done. And the, the problem is it's, it's not the problem that somebody may see it as trash and throw it away. The problem is I've actually seen, seen stories where people saw this weird pipe zip tied to something and, and, you know, they get a little, little extra, extra scared and maybe call out the bomb squad. So you don't want to ruin, you know, you don't want to waste any of your town's resources. So ideally you want to, Make sure you have permission. But we know that people, you know, sometimes make stuff that looks, uh, that, that is meant to be hidden. And who knows, right? Right. So even if, let's say you've, let's say you're doing it right. You got the permission. You put something somewhere and you hit it so that no one will, will ever know it's there. And only you and the organization know it's there. We're talking, we're talking cameras that are, are susceptible to rain, moisture, as Miss Valkenberg Borg uh, said. A lot of these cameras they they just didn't work out because of moisture getting in them, or the paper curling. So that's something to think about for sure. But when especially when we make cameras, we try to put uh, we put like one of those desiccant the silica gel desiccant packets in the bottom of the camera. And then we'll also make a we'll, – we'll make sure the paper doesn't have the ability to curl. We'll, we'll put kind of a uh, kind of a, a mask around it so that it, if it wants to curl, it doesn't, like, it doesn't let it as much because of, because of moisture and heat, cold and everything. But we also usually put a drain hole in the bottom so that if moisture does build up in there, hopefully it escapes at the bottom. But, you know, even, even in, in the perfect day – you're not guaranteed to get an, an image every time, hey. so that's why that's why the uh, the, the student Miss Miss Valkenborg, she had mentioned that she had she had others. She had tried a couple other times at that location before, but the photographs, which she said, was often ruined, and and nothing came of it. Now, for anybody that that does not know the solography and pinhole, can, you know what what this is is entailed. What what is solography, Christine? Solography is a taking photo paper, putting it in a pinhole camera, typically, 
pointing it at the sun over six months to a year, depending, and seeing the streaks of the sun go across the sky. Well, how does it work? It, you, want me to, you want me to explain that? It's a long exposure and well, kind of burns into it, like, it really lightly. It does. We're, we're talking about photographic paper that is silver, darkroom, enlarging paper. And what happens is paper like that is usually what's called developing out. And you expose it to light, and this paper, you can't see the image before you develop it. That's what developing out paper is. However, with silver paper, you have uh, you can you can over 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 expose it to the point where it actually does start burning that silver, and it starts confusing that silver and that emulsion, and it will start to darken. And that's what solography is. You you expose this image for so long a.k.a. six months, when typically a pinhole camera, you may have a 30, 60, 120-second exposure. You're exposing it for six months, and when you're done with that, you bring it into indoors, you have everything ready, you pull the, the paper out, you slap it on a scanner, you scan it, and you invert it, because it's going to be a negative. So we're talking about, uh, we're talk, still talking about photographic paper, and what happens is every time the sun goes across the sky, and of course if it's a cloudy day, you're going to have a missing line across the sky, but every time the sun goes across the sky, it leaves a burnt line on that paper. And ideally, as Christine said, six months, ideally you would either put them down on the winter solstice or the summer solstice, right? Right. And then let it go until the next solstice because... That way you get the sun at the lowest or the highest point, and then it ends at, at vice versa, the highest or lowest point, and that way you don't double up on any of those lines and you get kind of a really neat and clear example of what's going on. And you can tell the cloudy days because there's like dotted lines or um, spaces between the lines. That of, is cool. The streaks across the the sky and we will we we always whenever we talk pinhole cameras we always warn people when that winter or summer solstice is coming up if you are listening to this on tuesday the 22nd now is the time like today maybe yesterday now is the time the sun is at the lowest point in the sky and now is the time to, to set up a pinhole camera and you can do exactly like miss valkenberg did and make it out of a beer or soda can, aluminum can. Tape the sucker up, get some of that aluminum tape, poke a hole, put some photographic paper in there, and and point it towards the towards. For us, it would be towards the the south. But whichever way the sun is is on the horizon. And yeah, that's cool. And I would do I would do several. I would make several of these so that. If one gets more water or moisture into it and doesn't turn out, you, you have a couple fallbacks. Because it's it's tough. It's tough thinking about a camera that's six months down the road. Hopefully it worked. A lot can go wrong in those six months, right? Right. Now, you may be thinking, oh, eight-year pinhole camera. Well, I'm going to build a pinhole camera, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it until it's 10 years well, that's only going to last for for so long, and I guess I guess you could in your lifetime beat this eight year record. I can't imagine. Like I said, I can't imagine it hasn't been done already because how many how many cameras have been forgotten about, or people may have put them out and found them and thought, oh well, I don't know how long that was. Let's try it out. But 
by the year 2114, there is a project, and I believe it's I believe it's from a, a com- company, not a company, but like a like artists that they call themselves Team Titanic, and the creator, uh, a a self-proclaimed philosopher artist in Berlin, by the name of Jonas Jonathan Keats. He created sensory cameras, and these are pinhole cameras that have a, the, the intent of taking 100-year-long exposures. So if no one does, beats this eight-year documented pinhole camera by 2114, that will be the new record. And it's really interesting thinking about this. 100-year-long exposure time. And they'll be hidden around... The city, which I'm guessing is in Berlin, in May, uh, May of the year in Berlin, they will they will retrieve these cameras. Now it's and it's interesting to to, to figure out who is retrieving these cameras, right? Right. Because you know the, this artist, I'm sure, is not is not under ten years old. I think the what's the world's law, oldest oldest human was it 140? 12, 13, 14, something like that. Something like that. But it, it really brings up the thought that and and what how how is it it's it's a very interesting thought because you are creating art that you will not ex- get the get the pleasure of experiencing, right? Right. It's really interesting. And it makes me think completely differently when because we can all create something that that we can see to the end but and maybe some of us we we create something that maybe we never finish and somebody else picks up but you were intentionally creating art that in order for it to be successful you do not it, it's you you can't you can't end it early i guess you could you can't end it early and you have to rely on somebody else to finish your art right you have to rely on somebody else to to op- to find these cameras which are hidden hidden around the city. So somebody's got to keep a a record of where these cameras are. They've got to find them. They've got to understand how to open them up. I'm I'm sure the the artist left a a very cool packet of information on on what to do in 2114. So it's kind of like a time capsule. And then they've got to scan them and hope hope they worked out. Now these are really interesting because when we talk about when we talk about photographic paper, I couldn't imagine now eight years it was is kind of pushing it because all the the tracks of the sun going across the sky were were back and forth that's uh, they think they said it was almost three thousand specific trails of the sun, and if you go up and down once a year, that's what eight. Not, that's that's 16, right? That's 16 trails going up and 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 down, right? Yeah. Makes sense? So the the thing about these century cameras is they're not really solar graphs to my to my thinking because the the very limited information I've got on these and I I really I guess I should find out some more about this, but they are using black pieces of paper is what they're saying. 
they're saying they're using sheets of black paper in place of the ordinary film, and the pinhole will expose that black paper sheet such that the paper fades where the light is the brightest. So that ter- that takes us away from solography and puts us into another process. What process is that? Anthotypes. Anthotypes. But it's interesting because when you think about photographic paper, when you expose photographic silver enlarging paper properly and you develop it, you're thinking about an ISO of about three. I, I can't imagine what what printing out version of it, which is where you, you expose it so long it starts to darken. So that's much, much less than that. But on top of that, you have anthotypes, which is even less sensitive than your than your silver enlarging paper that you are printing out instead of developing out. So that's how they're, I guess, they're hoping that they're going to get their image. That the repetitiveness of the sun going back and forth over the century. Well, I'm not entirely even sure if they're they're trying to get streaks. I'm sure they are in, in some or most instances. But these, when you do these solography photos, it's not just, you're not just seeing the sun. You're really seeing the, the area around it as well because everything reflects light. When the sun reflects light on a building, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bounce that light into the pinhole. And over six months, eight years, or 100 years, that light is going to keep hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting your emulsion, which in this, in this instance, the Century Cameras, is, as I said, a, bla- a piece of black paper. I'd love to find out what kind of paper they're using because we've – Sometimes when when people need a little bit of a kick in kick in the butt to get started with anthotypes, we recommend just just go to the go to the cheapest store you can find, dollar store usually here in, in the United States, but find the cheapest construction paper possible. And we've done this before where we've put uh, we've put negatives or we've actually positive, we've put positives or we've put things on top of construction paper and left them in the window. And it takes a lot longer than usually anthotypes are because the dye doesn't doesn't break down that quickly. But the dye will b- basically bleach out, and that's what you're doing here over 100 years. So it's, it's, it's mind, mind-numbing to think about how they came up with this. Is the paper going to be bleached out enough by then? I, I really hope it works, and I'll never even get to see it. And the other cool thing is, well, the difference between this and solography is they're expecting a positive image. That's true. Not a negative, which is what normal pinhole cameras create. Absolutely. You're right. It makes me think of our tintype that we put in the time capsule for oh, a pillow. Oh, yeah. At, four, what, 48 more years, I think? Yeah. We we, we did a, a, was it a 200th? Was it the 200th? I don't know. It was some anniversary event for a tiny little town in Pennsylvania called Pillow, Pennsylvania. Bicentennial, yeah, it was, was it? two hundred. And they invited us up to to be a part of their their play because when they back in the beginning of their of their town and 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 when they were kind of in the middle of the eighteen hundreds, further I guess further in the town's history, there was a town photographer there that was uh, that was part of it and. Uh, and they were going to have somebody play the town photographer in the play. And they asked me, says, would you mind being in the play? And I said, absolutely. That's uh, totally cool. Absolutely. I'm totally not good at reading lines or being in a, in a play or anything. But I had so much fun. 
and then we took a we took a photo. They wanted a photo in in the little the little meeting meeting hall that they did the play in. And we Christine Christine took the photo. She did a digital photo because it was indoors, it was low light, everything. And I then turned that into a tintype. I, I made an inner positive and then I made a I made a tintype. And yeah. Made a tintype here at, at home and I varnished it uh, the best I could. And I set everything up and, and wrote my name and the date and the location. I included uh, several copies of the people that I knew was in it and left them room, you know, spaces that they can write the other people in. And in 48 years, they were going to do a 50-year time capsule. And I can't imagine I'll still be around, but maybe you will. And maybe you can uh, you can hobble your butt up there and, and check it out. But it, it's kind of very similar to the point where it was it was just it just brought these these emotions to the front of no one's going to see this until I'm long gone. And the photo was of the cast that was in the play. Right. And several of them will be gone as well because there were there were several people that were that were my age or older. So it's it was just such a cool feeling being part of that. And I've got to say that all the cool things I've done that is that is definitely top 5 being able to supply my artistic hand into a piece of art that hopefully, hopefully the time capsule uh, works out because I, I do see a lot of time capsules getting dug up and, uh, you know, water or mole men or, or, or something, something destroys them. So I'm hoping that, that this capsule gets opened in 48 more years and everything's okay. But the fact that it's 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 wild. Didn't that time capsule replace another time capsule that had been buried there? Didn't they open another one? I don't remember. I, I seem to remember that they were just redoing, and I think one or two of the things in the original one got put back in. I'm not. I sure. could be wrong. Don't take my word on this. That that would but be cool. That's tickling maybe, my memory. Maybe they did that. That weekend was such a such a busy busy weekend. We we went down and we did that. And then they had a, a whole weekend of activities and we were able to set, you know, they had asked us to set up and, and make tintypes for the, for the, for the towns, townspeople. And, oh, it was such, it was such a great event. It was such a cool event. It was fun. It was, it was, uh, it was amazing. I don't think I'll ever forget that event though. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it, I, I just can't imagine the thought of a 100 year camera when 48 years and something that I've seen before it went into tin hype, it went in the, in the, in the, the, the time capsule. I can't imagine a hundred years. Right. It's a It's amazing. And to make sure that that's followed up on. And, but the, the, the problem is there's no way to guarantee that that's the true. people who will open it most likely e either are too little now to even contemplate how the, being able to teach them how to do it or aren't even born yet. Well, I'm, I'm hoping, and it gets, it gets, it gets back to the whole thing of why we do what we do is because we want to pass on a lot of these processes to younger, younger people, but it gets to the point of, I want, I want people in the future to understand. And that's why I put so much effort into, into my work and making sure it's not misrepresented as, 
like 1850 or 1860 tin types, amber types or whatever else, but I want people to appreciate my work in the future. But the thing is, is I want people to appreciate the processes too. Right. And that's why every time we, every time we, we sell an art piece or every time we do a, do a special job or, or whatever, we try to teach or send, send information as much as possible. I mean, I, we go back to that platinum palladium print that we donated to the to the organization for the Renaissance people, and uh, and in my uh, in my uh, my stationery, uh, I they they got a they got a lesson in the in the process, of course. So whether they wanted it or not, they got a lesson. <laughs> but you've got to hope that alternative processes are going to going to stick around. And there's, and I figure there's always going to be these ebbs and flows. Uh, you know, what was it? Ten, 10 years ago, we had somebody come to us and say, "Hey, there's a, there's this process that I I understand. Only three photographers in the world do." And I said, "Oh, really? What? You know, can you explain it to me?" And they were explaining Mordenkaj, and I said, and I shook their hand. And I says, "Well, I guess I'm one of those three. And uh, and you know, nobody was was doing Mordenkaj back then, or at least was was out there and kind of tooting their own horn about it. I certainly wasn't. But uh, but now a lot more people are doing more than college. So I guess it I guess it comes and goes and comes and goes. And people are always going to look for something new, though. You know, we may hit a, an analog. Fad kind of thing mm-hmm. and then go back into strictly digital and then we might hit that analog fad again. So I'm hoping that that's why I said I hope the photographer, the artist of these century cameras left enough enough information for the future generations as what they are, why they work, how they work, what to do with them, you know? Yeah. So kind of reminds me of the saying, what is old is new again. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, let's get on to the topic. We're 30 minutes in. Let's (laughs) get on to the topic really quick. We're going to blow through these kind of quick because last week we talked about gift the, the gift we call it the gift guide well this is going to be the gift guide for slackers I'm not entirely sure if that's what i'm going to name it but this is the gift guide for people like me that waited until the last minute and it is uh and it's more kind of a diy sort of gift guide right christine yeah but i wouldn't say it's necessarily for slackers because some of these ideas take time and you have to think about them throughout the year so it's not necessarily just for slackers I think some of these can be creative and you can really put a lot of time into it if you want to. Okay. And I call it the photographer's guide to using your own photography to brighten the holiday season. Okay. Is the way I think of it. But what's one of the first things you think of when you think of the holiday season? Making your own cards. I was going to say cookies. Well, cookies, but we're talking photography. Okay. You're not Well, I guess you could put pictures on cookies nowadays, but... <laughs> not sure I'd want to, but making your own cards. Okay. We've been doing this for years now, and we have a personalized card almost every year. And we've had a lot of different ideas. I think my favorite one was a year that we used multiple processes on with the same image and kind of mixed them all up and oh, put yeah. names on it, addressed it, and sent it out to people. I think that was one of our first years we did it. Yeah, I think that that might have been the first year we did it. Because everybody likes getting a card. And that was that was my that was my thinking behind the Patreon rewards. A postcard, a postcard from us, a postcard from us and a postcard and postcards to send to other people and then also prints and note cards and things like that. But 
everyone loves getting something in the mail. Right. Nobody nobody does that anymore. So even though we we get probably a, a small fraction of holiday cards back, we do send out about between 50 and 75 a year. And what Christine was talking about, I think we printed our own I don't know if we, I don't think we printed our own card. I think we actually bought a stack of cards, didn't we? I think we had pre pre-made cards. We bought a, we? one of those box of cards. But inside as Christine said, we had a photo that was printed on multiple process. I think we had cyanotype, Van Dyke Brown, maybe salt print. Two tin types, I know. We had a couple tin types. We had some silver enlarging paper. And what we did was we signed every card. We didn't personalize the cards. We signed every card from from John and Christine. And we we stuffed every card with one process. And then we we sealed the envelopes up and we shuffled them. We didn't know who got what. And we sent those out with a kind of a, a key on, on what each what each one was. And that was a lot of fun because especially for people that know us, they know what by now, if they followed us on Facebook or back in the day, Flickr or, or something like that, they know what some of these processes are. And, and while they might not know what each process was, they understood that it was kind of a big deal. I think. And that we took the time and made these prints for everyone. Right. Do you remember what the print was? It was a snowman. It was one of our s'more snowmen from our s'mores Christmas tree. S'mores men. Yeah. I don't know who makes them, but they, it's it's one of those, it's kind of like one of those things, like, what was it, the old Beanie Babies, where they have a special one every year, and they retire it, and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's snowmen. That are made from marshmallows, chocolate, and graham cracker. The base is a graham cracker and a piece of chocolate, and then there's marshmallows stacked on top that look like snowmen. Right. Oh, they're so cute. And there's different ones, and you can still get them. There's there's many different types. We have a whole bunch of them on our tree. Just don't try to eat them. No. Late at night when you're hungry, you'll chip a tooth. (laughs) We we, We bought, we have a few of them that are just standard. It's just the it's just the s'more snowman and that's it. Well, I went online and found a folding brownie kind of dollhouse camera, and then I glued it into the hands of one of these just standard only snowman snowmen. And we've got some that are in that are in camping scenes and kayaking scenes and backpacking scenes. But we took a I think in fact I think Christine took the photo. She made the photo of the s'more snowman hanging in the tree holding the camera, and then that's what we used. We made you know, we made a whole a bunch of those processes with that. So that, that worked out really well. Yeah. Since then, we've done a lot of cards, and, and we did – we have made cards in the past where we would, we would take a piece of 7 by 10 paper, we would mask it off, paint, paint one of, the, you know, paint one of the, the sides, do it, develop it, rinse it, dry it, flatten it, and then and then do the inside, but that's so much work because the paper curls, the paper warps. Lately, what we've been doing is we've been buying really nice printable cardstock that we can send through the laser printer to print the inside, and then we can send through the digital printer and print the outside. But yeah. typically, we but typically we print something that we we make a source image in the dark room. And then we we scan it and and print it on the on the cards. 
Or we take a digital image from the year that we really like and use. Or we take a digital image. This year is we're doing a an inspired. Remember, we talked about that faking uh, faking alternative processes, but being more inspired by them. And we made a inspired sort of Van Dyke blue print. And uh, we're going to, I think, uh, I think we posted a photo of that. I'm not really sure if we posted a photo of that anywhere. But uh, we we did on a Patreon, uh, pa- Patreon, and our and our our supporter yeah. Facebook group. We we shared the brushes because what we did was we we did a video on, and that video will be probably dropping tomorrow. But we did a video on using cyanotype to make brush strokes on a piece of paper, scanning those in, digitizing them into Photoshop, and then and then using them as kind of fake brush edges on your image. So look look on look on our on our Facebook pages and YouTube page for that video. But the Patreon supporters of uh, of either a dollar or more, they got the download of the high quality images and and the the kind of thresholded brush brush frames. They got them as a download for free. But uh, but that's that's our thing for this year. But other years we have done other things. We've done cut things out on our silhouette or you could use your cricket or your cricket it's cricket 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 or silhouette it's they're just drag knife they're drag knife plotters and they they make a lot of kind of they the the cricket and the silhouette is kind of the home the home use one but it it works with paper Uh, we've got a big vinyl cutting machine but it's you it's it's only vinyl or like t-shirt material or like sandblasting resist. So this, these little machines you can cut out, you can design your own cards and cut it out. And we've used those a couple years. We even had um, silhouettes made of our faces from the side and cut those out and use them on cards one year. Yeah. We've used pictures from the year, digital pictures from the year on cards. Mm-hmm. So, and you can even take and make your, you can make your own cutout silhouettes, and then use, either either make a negative or just kind of put on some, some cyanotype or Vanda. You can you can kind of splotch things on there as well, which I know Christine's done that as well. But uh, but yeah, as Christine said, we had. We had hand-cut silhouettes by a friend of ours. Uh, her name is Lauren Mooney, and she can be found at silhouettesbyhand.com. And when we were at an event a long time ago, we, we were there with, uh, with Lauren, and we had, we had our silhouettes cut. And that's what we, that's what we did for, for, for holiday cards one year. Yeah, we took them and faced them towards each other on the front of the card and then inside put our own little message and yeah. printed them out on we get cards usually from Red River Paper. Yeah, Red so. River Paper is nice. We we enjoy uh we we like their card stock. But but just to get back to Lauren, um that's that's actually a really good last minute gift idea too because she will take she usually does it in front of everybody, but with everything going on, she's been allowing you to to send in a a digital file, a digital image, and she'll she'll tell you how to how it needs to be. But she will send you in a she will ask you to send a digital image. She will cut your 
your silhouette out and send it to you. But it's it's all by hand with scissors. It's it's she's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. But um, that's holiday cards. And do you want to stick to do you want to stick to kind of holiday holiday themes because you've made us quite a few nice ornaments as well. Yeah, my favorite one of my favorites is what we did last year for our local camera club. Is I took a our logo from the camera club and printed it onto quilt cotton squares and with cyanotypes. Right, you did that. You did cyanotype on fabric, right? And then I put it inside of like a three-inch embroidery hoop and then decorated it with ribbons to hang it off the tree. A wooden hoop, right? Yes. One of those wooden embroidery hoops. And then I remember Christine, she she gave me a design to print on cardstock. And then I, I put it on the laser cutter and I cut the, I cut the, the I cut these circles out. And that way when she put that fabric on... In that hoop, she could put that cardstock in there as well. That really kind of sh- that really kind of made it nice and sturdy. And then she put a nice, uh, nice little blue ribbon around the the little brass knurled kind of tightener thing. And yeah, they they turned out really they turned out really nice. And then I also remember I know you're still working on making this exact, but a few years ago you took glass you know like the glass balls that you put on the tree mm-hmm. and you made tintypes in them oh so difficult <laughs> yeah it was it was one of those just clear see-through glass balls and i i poured the collodion in i poured the collodion out um i i poured the silver in and i shaked it all about i didn't shake it <laughs> but didn't do the hokey pokey but i i poured the silver in in the in the in the dark room in the red light because the orthochromatic process and all, and poured it out. I then projected an image that 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 Christine and I had. I don't know whatever happened to that ball. To be honest with you, it's on the to Christmas my, tree. Oh, is it? A, did I it's did I finally Christmas. finish it up? Oops. But we we took an image of Christine and I at, at Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, and we were we posed. We had a, a photo made with. Civil War era Santa, and we made a inner 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 positive. It's kind of like a slide. We made a, a slide of this image, and then I projected that on the tin type ball. But the problem is the ball; it's not a flat surface, so therefore I had to really tighten down the aperture on that to get to get the uh, the depth of field. Uh, nice enough that I can that we can get the the image mostly through the ball. And it worked out pretty well. Uh, I don't know if I want to stick with collodion for that, or or some other glass compatible process. But yeah, that's one of those that's one of those things that I I'd like to eventually do more of. But the problem is it's so much work. I think you do better with taking a photo and using your other laser stuff and lasering it i think i you know i think that's such that's such a fad a a laser it's it's so much laser time to take a photo and to laser it on a piece of wood or a piece of granite it's such a fad because when you get the end of the day and i i thought about offering this as well because i've had some people ask for it so it'll it'll likely be something that i only offer if somebody asks for it but I just don't like the look of them because I think they're such a, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know what else to say, but fad. 
It looks like it looks very faddish to me because it's not very good looking. I don't know. I don't know. It's something I've I've seen done and I've seen you do once or twice. So Oh, I've done a lot. I've actually yeah. I've actually built Photoshop curves for our laser. Um, I've developed a uh, I've developed a, a treatment for the wood that makes it burn really well. I just I just don't like I just am not a, a big fan of it. But everybody seems to go crazy. I, I almost thought about building a workshop around that and, and kind of giving away these uh you know, these treatment secrets and stuff in a workshop, but I don't know. Just one of those things that uh, that's kind of on the on the far back burner. And then keeping with the ornament ideas is you can get homemade little frames or even buy little frames. And we have a friend that actually makes period frames. Uh, Steve. Steve. And that is modern day reproduction, right? Modern uh, day antiques. Modern day antique. Antiques. Not teaks. Antiques. No Modern day antique, and his name is Steve Hain, and he makes daguerreotype and union cases out of um, kind of modern modern resins. But he does a great job at making these cases that that look fantastic, and he makes the he makes the inside mats. I think he's still using acrylic for the mats inside, and puts the glass and and the the velvet pinch pads. If you've ever held a tin type that was in kind of a kind of a hinged case that's what he he makes modern reproductions of and he makes fantastic just i think this this year he started making these nice christmas tree ornament cases i guess they're one sixth plate size they're they're tiny but you can do that and honestly you can do you can use these cases for any any process ideally you know get yourself a tintype made but even if you wanted to print out a photo cut it to the size of these cases and put them in there and, and present them as gifts, then then that, that works out really well as well. Right. I'm pretty sure you've run out of time if you wanted to buy one of them. Same thing with, with Lauren over with the silhouettes. But, uh, you know, give them a call. And if you're looking for something that you have somebody that you still need a gift for, maybe, you know, let them know something's coming and get them one of these cool cases or get them a cool silhouette made. Uh, of themselves or or of you if they like if they like your profile enough that they would like to hang it on their wall get one of yourself made right we throw darts at christine's we do not <laughs> she throws darts at mine though i do not what else do we have uh and that that also reminds me of tin types are kind of cool because you can cut them out with with metal snips and we we like working, and and we'll 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 throw, we'll throw another business out there that we really enjoy, uh, Button Baron in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and we've worked with them for making custom gem size tin types, and these are one inch by three quarter inch tin types, very tiny, and back in the day they would put them in these little tiny cutest little albums you'd ever seen, <laughs> but with Button Baron, I she'll she'll send me custom orders or. We'll, we'll use images of presidents or generals back then, and I'll send her a whole sheet of these of these tintypes, and she'll punch them out and put them in actual brass buttons. And it's so cool because sometimes it's 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 expensive. I'll I'll tell you that it's expensive, but sometimes she'll have somebody say, "Hey, I want to make a vest, and I want the buttons to all be my family." And that's something that they've done back then. That was a big thing back then. And and she'll send me the files and I'll clean them up and 
print her a, a sheet of tin types uh, for them. And I'll usually throw some extra presidents or generals in there because we have so many, we can fit so many on a plate. And, uh, and I'll send them to her and uh, they looked so good. Yeah. They look really cool. So that definitely, definitely check out the button baron. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and give you the email address, thebuttonbaron.com. And any of your, I, is it just Civil War? I believe I, she's mostly Civil War. I've I not bet, seen her do other eras. But. I bet if you called her, her name is Janet, the nicest lady in the world. And if you called her and said, hey, I need World War One, World War Two, I need this, I need something special, even modern, you're looking for something modern, but you want to kind of give it an antique kind of reproduction look, she's the person to call, for sure. She'd probably be able to hook you up or at least point you in the right direction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But another, absolutely. <laughs> talking about jewelry and buttons and stuff, another thing that I've done with my cyanotypes on the cloth is I've made necklaces and jewelry out of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got off of um, the internet uh, silver brooches or necklaces, silver settings, Mm -hmm. and you cut me out on the laser wooden backgrounds for them that I could stretch the cyanotype over, and we have all sorts of little images that are simple but really cute. I measured the settings and I made Christine these these really thin wooden kind of circle slug things. And then I cut her out. We found out exactly how much fabric was needed. So then I cut her out. She gave me she gave me this fabric that she likes to use and I cut the circles out of that as well. So she had a big stack of the wooden ones and also the 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 circles as well. And I think when you did the cyanotypes on them, you didn't brush them. You kind of just just put them in a in a glass. And poured the cyanotype over it and then wrung them out. Yep. Right? And she made them and then when she was when she was done, she stretched them over the wooden piece. She she either she sanded them. She sanded the wooden pieces so that they wouldn't they wouldn't break through or I guess damage the cotton. But and then she she tucked everything underneath and glued it and then glued it and clamped it to the setting. And man, they looked really nice. We still have a bunch left, actually. We've got we a few. We she, she made some to do for some some uh, some shows, but uh, then twenty twenty hit, and we really didn't do any shows this year. So, but she's she's sold uh, she's called, sold quite a few of them online. And they also work really nice as keychains. Yeah, we've done we've actually done several jewelry pieces. The problem is it's so expensive. It's only we've only done it by special request. Somebody says, hey, I'm looking for a piece of jewelry. I want this stone or I want this polished this or I want this polished that. Uh, or we've done so many, so many jewelry pieces, but it's never been something I wanted to, to just do and put online. Like these cyan- these cyanotype things are one thing, but like tin types or albumin on glass, I, it's, I just don't have the life in me to really do it. But whenever somebody emails me and says, "Hey, can you do something like this?" and I'll I'll work through it, but it's it's not cheap, right? Yeah. I mean, it's all special order, and it takes time to yeah. figure out and to get right. Well, those are the big things. Let's let's kind of um, we're getting we're getting a little little uh, short on time here. Let's move on from this. And you have you have uh, I I have your notes here, and you talked about you know just 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 photos, right? 
yeah, just take photos that are holiday related and use them as decorations around your house. Well, even not holiday related. It could not. Yeah. You can just take photos throughout the year and use them as gifts for your friends and family. People, Think of them when you take your photos. People are, they, they like being able to hold something. Yes. People don't hold photos anymore. People don't have photo books anymore. And that, that's one of my things, which is photo books. And several times now, we, we use certain labs that, that will ensure that the colors are perfect from every page to every page. We use labs that, that, that we have color profiling for. And, you know, it's, it's something that, that our clients need. They need to have the one image is the same color temperature as the other image. But the thing is, most people don't need that kind of what um, most people don't need that kind of preciseness, I guess. Right. There are a lot of companies out there that will do photo books. And here's the cool thing about this. These people will do photo books and photo gifts. And if you, be, if you get on one of their mailing lists and one of them Shutterfly, and in fact, they just had something two days ago. But if you get on their mailing list, they'll do sales like fridge magnets or photo books or canvases or this or that. But the thing is, is whenever they do these sales, they're typically for a day. So my recommendation is go into their program and build yourself a couple books. Build yourself a couple square books. Build yourself a couple portrait books. Build yourself a couple landscape books. That way, if they have a special sale, and just two days ago, it was a sale on six by six, 20-page books. It was an unbelievable price. But the thing is, is if you have projects ready and you see those sales, Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Make some fridge magnets to send people. People love putting crap on their fridge. We've got fridge magnets. I don't even know where the heck they came from. Most of them we do, but there's a lot of them out there. I don't know what in the world they do. And you slam the door a little bit too hard and everything goes flying. People love that stuff. People like to collect things. And sometimes fridge magnets are small enough, but, you know, memorable enough to help you think of places you've been and such. Now, here's something. Here's some one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things, and you can do this tomorrow. You can go out to your local craft store, get yourself some Mod, Mod Podge? Mod Podge. Mod Podge. Mod Podge. And they sell a matte and they sell a glossy. Get yourself some Mod Podge. Get yourself a laser printed, either a color or a black and white laser printed photo, and then either some wood, glass. I've seen... I've seen this on sheets of wood. I've seen this on some of those craft store boxes. I've seen these on the the outside of some glass, you know, the glass column candles. Just make sure you don't use anything that's flammable. I've seen them on journals. I've seen them on tile coasters. I've even seen them on those big letters at the craft store that people always need to have. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We had we had one at our wedding. M. Yes. A giant M. I don't know what ever happened to it. We never we never hung the thing on the wall, but you can get you can get a giant letter and you can put these things on it. Or one of the things that that we kind of like is those wood cubes. Mm-hmm. And if somebody has six kids, they can just roll the dice and see which which kid gets punished that day. <laughs> but anyway, what you're doing is and you need a laser. It's not going to work with inkjet. You need to have a laser photo made and if you've got a nice black and white laser printer or a nice color laser printer even better but if not you can go to i guess one of these copy places one of these office office max office depot style places and get them to make you 
a color laser, get a, get a couple of them made. But what you do is you paint the, the surface and you paint the photo with this Mod Podge and you, you use a rubber roller and you roll that sucker flat and let it dry. Once that's done, you can then use a, uh, you can use a sponge and soak up some water and then just, just rub away the paper. What happens is the toner stays because the toner is kind of plasticky. The toner stays, the paper goes, and you've got your image. You've got to print everything flipped, though, because everything that you print is going to be the opposite because you're flipping it over and exposing the back instead of the front. Right. Another thing that's big, clocks. You can go to the craft store. You can buy a clock. You can pull out the cheap piece of cardboard that's got the numbers printed on it, and you can print your own, cut it, and you can make a clock. Picture of you, picture of your family, picture of somebody else. That is a cool gift. Yeah. Who, who can't hang a clock in their house? <laughs> I've also seen gift tags, especially around the holidays. Photo gift tags. Give them some. Give them something they don't want to throw away. More junk to put in the junk drawer that has that has sentimental value, right? Right. But give them get you know do gift cat tags. Every gift for mom, put mom's face on it. Every gift for dad, put dad's face on it. Yeah, that will surely help. Every gift for the dog, put a fire hydrant on it. <laughs> there there are so many cool things. Christine's a fan of calendars. Who who likes getting a calendar for Christmas? Not me. But if it's a themed, personalized calendar, absolutely. That's so cool. If it's something that means something to me, I like it. Yeah. If it doesn't mean anything to me, it's like, eh, okay, crash. <laughs> But if it's twelve like... cutest dogs in the world, yeah, no. <laughs> well, it depends, but I well, mean, with, back in the day, but not anymore. With everything digital now, who wants a calendar of anything? But I tell you what, you give you give even the hard, the most hardcore person a a, a personalized calendar. I bet they hang it up, put it somewhere. If it again, if it means something to them, they're gonna love it. Yeah. And what's the last thing? How about just family photos? Yeah. You know, so many times we go somewhere and people take photos on their phones, people take photos on their cameras, people take photos on this or that or that or this. And we're, and we're, we are completely guilty of this. Find photos of people and either give them a, a, a DVD, a CD, a thumb drive, heck, print out a bunch of four by sixes. Give people images, and I can't state this even more. I can't state this any more than than I am. But a lot of us have family that have just albums of old photos, and something that we've been telling family: Hey, we need to have a party one day. We need to get together, and we need to scan these old photos in. That can be a gift in itself because everybody thinks, "Oh, I got that album. I've got to eventually scan it in." Maybe sit there and say, look, after the holidays, we need to get together uh, safely, of course, and try to figure out how we're going to scan all these albums. Scan the image, have somebody explain and type out who who is in that photo because we don't have, uh, there's no guarantees for tomorrow. And you may lose that person in the family that just knows everything about this this photo and this photo outing that this photo took and everything. Right? Right. So, you have anything else? I think that covers my list. I think that's it, too. Well, what are your thoughts and ideas on interesting last-minute gifts? 
And even if it's not last minute, cool gifts that you can DIY or you can make yourself, you know, really sentimental stuff that, that people just really want to keep out. Not keep out. Keep out as in not throw it in a junk drawer, right? Right. Anyway, we want to hear about we want to hear from you about that, and you can connect with us on our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underredglow.com. Your comments might just make it into a future episode. Remember, we want to hear New Year's resolutions for your art and your photography as well. And as always, a big thank you to everyone for continuing to join us with all the love and support we've received from people liking us on Facebook, subscribing and rating us on your podcast platform of choice, and also a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Starting at a dollar, you can get our shows early with our supporters-only after show, all without ads. And be sure to check out our other supporter tiers as well, which are geared towards bringing you along on our darkroom projects with great rewards. Also, be sure to check out our website. We now have a subscription-based gifting, uh, giftable thing. Long story short, we've said it a couple times with the last few episodes. Patreon said they don't and they won't allow you to gift Patreon support, I guess you would call it. Right. So we did it ourselves. And while we didn't do the dollar tier, we did starting at the $3 tier. And you can actually now gift several of those tiers. And your gift recipient will receive access to our super secret Facebook group, which is a mirror of our Patreon only, so Patreon supporters only group. And you get all the, the articles, all the early videos, the early podcasts. Uh, we just had one today that that dropped that probably won't ever see the light of day. It's me blowing myself up with a magnesium flash. You did not blow yourself Didn't up. Didn't blow myself up. The sparks went everywhere. But anyway, you scared some people. We talked we talked about, you know, don't do this at home, but we talked about uh, kind of the kind of the science behind it and uh, exactly what we use. But it's stuff like that 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 is kind of our experiments and sometimes good, most of the times bad experiments in the darkroom. But check it out. All of our links can be found in our show notes and also on www.underredglow.com. And now with episode 22 down, it's been our absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under a Red Glow. And if we've earned your recommendation to other photographers of any skill level or process, we would certainly appreciate you sharing us with them. A big thank you to my co-host, Christine Milliker, and of course, everyone for listening. If you're listening on Patreon or Facebook, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to visiting with you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.